Guy Beverage with Protectors Toolkit, Christian Safety and Security Made Simple. I'm so glad you're joining us tonight for another wonderful Warrior Wednesday. Please, please excuse the alliteration there, but I just couldn't help myself. Warrior Wednesday, that uh, that live cast that just comes right to you wherever you can consume it. They give you some tips, techniques, and tricks that you can use in your day-to-day -day life as a Christian warrior. So let's get aligned in our thinking here. What is a warrior? Well, the Exodus really tells us this. The Lord is a warrior and the Lord is his name. So I know you all are created to be warriors in your churches where you stand up on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesdays to be that protector, to make sure that people can come to your church to do to have a safe and secure worship environment. So tonight, we're so thankful you're here tonight uh, to join us for the five best, worst pieces of advice I've ever gotten in my life. Some of it's going to be geared towards church safety and security and things like that, but also some of it's going to be personal advice that I've gotten in my life that just did not quite work out for me. So Protector's Toolkit, we have a guiding biblical principle, in that, and it is Proverbs 18, 15, and it says this, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In the easy-to-read version of the Bible, it says it this way, wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And that's really what we're all about here at Protectors Toolkit, to give you as much knowledge in it, uh, as you need to be a good church safety and security protector for your church and the flocks that you protect in your churches. So let's get into what we're talking about tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the worst pieces of advice I've ever gotten. Mike North, thanks for joining us. I see you out there. Let us know where you're joining from. Uh, this is a good call to action right here in the comment section. Let us know where you're joining from, the city and state, and also the church you represent. We like to see who's represented here when we have these Warrior Wednesday talks and chats. So I'm going to talk about the, the the worst piece of advice, and I guess maybe the best of the worst pieces of advice. I'm going to give you the top five. Uh, when we decided to do this topic and it was presented to me, I just thought, you know, I've been given a lot of piece of advice in my life. Uh, I've had a pretty good career uh, from the military, working with special operational units uh, to law enforcement, working with special operational units uh, to being a police chief in my agent agency. Currently, I've contracted overseas for a couple companies, and I've been given a ton of advice in my life. So to come up with the top five was a little bit difficult for me, uh, but I think you're going to enjoy it tonight. Believe it or not, not all advice is good advice. I would even have to guess when I sat back and thought about this. Maybe even half of the advice I've been given in my life was bad advice, but that's okay because at the end of the program tonight, I'm going to also tell you uh, how to recognize when you're getting bad advice, and I, I think that's sometimes key. Uh, we like advice. We like people telling us things and helping us out. If you join any of those Facebook groups out there, especially like Protectors Toolkit, we give advice on everything, but we try to do it with an air of professionalism, and we always give you a reason why we're giving that piece of advice, uh, backing it up with, with data and facts. So uh, make sure you're sussing that out or figuring that out whenever you go to any of those other Facebook pages out there. That, that advice that you're getting, make sure you test that and trust, but verify, obviously. So just to get us aligned in our thinking, here's a little bit 
Uh, here's a piece of bad advice. I think you could agree was bad advice. Maybe you've heard of this guy, Tom Brady, before. Uh, maybe in the last week or so, you've heard of this name, Tom Brady. He originally, you may not know this, played baseball. He played baseball at the college level, and he was a rock star at baseball. He was so good at it that everybody that saw him, all the scouts that saw him, they wanted to sign him, and they thought and they told him you would be pay, playing in the major leagues and probably in a World Series at some point in your career. That's how good he was at baseball. But guess what? Tom didn't want to play baseball. Tom wanted to play football. This guy, Tom Brady, wanted to play football instead of baseball. He told everybody this. And when he would tell them, they would give him advice like, you're not going to make it in the NFL. You're not big enough to be a quarterback. You're not good enough to be a quarterback. Why don't you just play baseball? You're good at that. It'll be a better career for you. Well, it turns out for Tom, that was actually bad advice. As a matter of fact, for Tom, that was bad advice. Uh, that was good advice uh, if you're Tom, but bad advice if you're the Chiefs from Sunday or you're any of the other six teams that Tom has whooped up on in the Super Bowl. So just to get us aligned in our thinking of uh, bad advice. While I got you here right quick, I want to make sure you're dropping your name in the comments section. Also, the city and state you're watching from and the church that you represent. So we all know who we're talking to here and we can help align with one another. And maybe even you know somebody in these groups that you can help out or need some help. So the comment section is just for that. I'm going to give you a call to action right now. If you would, do me a couple different things. Number one, if you've gotten some bad advice in your life, drop that in the comment section as well. Most importantly, though, go down to the bottom of your screen, especially if you're watching this on Facebook, hit that share button and pick one or two people that you know would be blessed by this Warrior Wednesday topic that we're talking about or blessed in general by the Warrior Wednesday that we do here at Protectors Toolkit. I know you know somebody or a group of somebody's share with us because sharing is caring. And we're told to do that in Proverbs, quite, quite frankly, where we sharpen one another. So share, hit that share button down there, if you will. That's the call to action we'll do tonight. So one of the first pieces of a bad advice, when this when uh, this topic was presented to me, this one rose to the top pretty quickly for me. Um, this piece of advice has followed me. Uh, it impacted me first uh, when I came into the Army. I first heard this piece of advice, and it followed me ever since in all the careers and all the jobs that I've had since then. Uh, I continue to hear this piece of advice even to this day. This piece of advice I heard it from countless so-called leaders, people who are in leadership positions. I've heard it from sergeant majors, from generals, from police chiefs, from deputy uh, chiefs, from uh, sheriffs, from other elected officials. And just about every job I've ever had, I've heard this piece of advice and this bad piece of advice, and it's plagued me over and over again. It's actually more of a statement, but at its core, it is advice when people are giving it to you. And here's what it is. That's the way we've always done it. That's the way we've always done it. Oscar, I see you joining out there. Thank you for joining us, First Baptist and Elgin. Awesome. You guys have good sausage. So that's the way we've always done it. Bad piece of advice I've been given. Wow, stunning. Great insight, right? That's the way we've always done it. Whenever I would ask a question that no one else had dared to challenge or even think through of why we're doing something the way we're doing it, then that piece of advice was given to me. That's just the way we've always done it. That didn't really sit with me. And it probably as warriors, doesn't sit with you either. That's the way we've always done it. That's like saying that since this idea, whatever it is we're talking about, was was formed, that nothing has ever changed around that idea. Time has not affected it. Things that are going on in our society have not affected it. It is so good as, such an, uh, as an idea that that's the way we've always done it. And I just really can't let something like that 
sit with me because I like to look at a problem. And if that's the way we've always done it, is it the way we should be doing it? So the next time someone asks or tells you or gives you the advice, well, that's just the way we've always done it or we've done it a certain way, then here's what you need to do. Ask why. Ask it to yourself. Why is that the way they're doing it? Look at the process as a whole, pull back to what I call the 50,000 foot view and look at it as an overview of do we need to do it this way? Has time or anything else affected the way we do that? And could we do it more efficiently? Could we do it better? Especially if we're talking about serving a customer, can we be better at it? So if, it, if the answer is yes, then ask the people who told you that's just the way we've always done it. If you could present to them a way to do it better, more efficiently, faster, would they accept that? Because I think people would like to do their job or their, that project or whatever that thing is better, faster, and more efficiently. Think about this. What if Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, or Billy Graham had accepted it when somebody told him that's just the way we've always done it? Now, I don't care what you think personally about Steve Jobs or even Jeff Bezos. I've ordered some things from Amazon. Yes, I have. But what about Billy Graham? What if Billy Graham said, I want to evangelize this way and I think we can put it on TV and we can have a call to worship at these large events? What if someone said, no, that's not the way we do it. We've always done it this way. And that stopped Billy Graham. How would you feel about it then? We need to take a look at when people tell us that's just the way we've always done it. That's a bad piece of advice when we can de deconstruct it and look at it as a whole and see that it could be better, it could be faster, it could be more efficient. Now, the next best, number two, I guess, worst piece of advice I've ever gotten. And I get this countless times still to this day, fake it until you make it. How many of you have heard that? Hit the comment section if you've heard that one before. Fake it until you make it. The first time I ever came across this piece of bad advice was when I was in the army and I first made my first sergeant rank E5 in the army. Now this this may work if you have a little bit of talent in the thing for whatever it is you're trying to do, that you're trying to fake it until you make it. But when I was first pinned as sergeant and I got to take a leadership role over people that I was previously being led within, within that group, I was told when I asked my sergeant above me, how do you lead people? He said, well, you fake it until you make it. Now, listen, friends, I'll just tell you quite frankly, I apparently was not good at faking it because I initially did not make it. Uh, I, I knew one way and one style of leadership at that time in my life, and that was leadership by fear. If people understood that I had the rank and I was the one that was over them and they were to do what I said, I led by fear. Now, the problem with leading by fear is you need some other leadership styles if that one fails. And boy, did that leadership style fail for me. I, le I led them by I have the rank, you have to do what I say, and you have to respect me. Well, guess what? I'll just tell you, people don't have to respect you. And sometimes they don't have to do what you say, especially if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. So that didn't go so well for me initially. I backed up, I regrouped, I found another leader that I respected and I asked him how to lead people. And he guided me through that process where I didn't have to fake it until I made it. So fake it until you make it was just one. Now, don't forget if you're joining us just now, get in there into the comment section, tell us city and state you're watching from, tell us the church you represent, and if you've got a piece of bad advice you want to share with us, please drop that in the comment section as well. And I also did a call to action earlier. I want you to hit that share button down at the bottom. I want you to share, share this video right now live with somebody who would be blessed by this. So the next piece of advice I've gotten uh, that really stuck out to me again when we, when we decided to do this topic, um, I guess the best of the worst, 
um, was that I, I've heard this one specifically in churches. Uh, you know, I've, I travel all over the country and I help churches set up their safety and security plans, policies and procedures. I do the training, on-site training for their staff. I do risk assessments for churches. Um, I do firearms training for churches. And the one thing that I've heard constantly, the complaint or the comment from church protectors who want to be warriors, who want to stand up in their church, who want to be a protector of others, who have a heart, a servant's heart and a warrior's mindset is this. They've been told by the church, they've been given this advice by the church. We don't want to have a safety and security ministry because there's too much liability. Let me say that again so you make sure that you're hearing the same thing I heard when people told me this. We don't want to have a safety and security ministry because there's too much liability. Another way I've heard it said, just very similar to this, we don't want a formal team because that will be too much liability. You just carry concealed and get into action if anything happens. What? I, I don't even understand that concept. If you want to have a church safety and security ministry and your church is telling you that they don't want to have it because there's too much liability, guess what? The church already knows there is a risk that should be mitigated. And when they fail to mitigate that risk, guess what? They own 100% of that risk. If you look at the four prongs of negligence that have to be met to show if someone owns all of the damages that come out of an event or a crisis, they, they will meet them every single time if they do not want to formalize a church safety and security ministry. They know, the church knows, they watch TV, the, the secular world impacts the church just like anything else. And if you're paying attention, you know that we are at risk. From 1999 to 2017, there's been over a 2,000% increase in violence in churches. Are you going to tell me, Mr. and Mrs. Church, that you do not want to have a church safety and security team because there's too much liability? What is the other side of that liability? You know, when you're talking about liability, there is a, a, a cost that is associated with that. But here's the real question. What is the cost of doing nothing? What is the cost if you know you have liability and you do nothing to mitigate that? Well, the cost is you own 100% of that church. So I can't really understand this piece of advice they give people. You just go ahead and carry and get into action. We're not going to formalize this and we're not going to recognize you. Well, number one, you've recognized that person. You've recognized they brought a gun into your church. You recognize that they want to be a warrior for your church. And you recognize that it is needed because you pay attention to things like Sutherland Springs and white, the church up in white settlement. We know these things impact us. So as a church saying or giving advice to somebody, we don't want to have a formalized ministry. We've got to have a different conversation with our church leadership about that. And if that's you sitting out there tonight, if you're watching this right now live or you're watching this in a replay, I'm going to tell you right now, here's my promise to you. You get in touch with me and I will walk you through those difficult conversations. I will give you the stats that you need to have those conversations with your church to prove why you need to have a formalized safety and security ministry. Okay. That's my guarantee to you. Make sure you reach out to me on that. Number four the, of the best of the worst uh, church or the best of the worst piece of advice I've ever been given in my life. Now, this comes from a time when I was a juvenile uh, and it's a piece of advice that came from my dad. Now, my dad is a, is a fantastic person. I love my dad to death. I love my mom to death. Uh, if they're watching, I just want to make sure I make that declaration here live. Um, and, and my dad always gave me really, really good advice. I took a lot of his advice to heart. And, you know, I'll just tell you, quite frankly, I didn't put a lot of it into use until I was out of the house and I was in the army. And I really uh, had those moments of clarity where, oh, I understand why we did it that way. And, we, uh, and I understood why it was said that way. So 
my dad gave me tons of great advice. Now, this one was not the best advice. I think it was a good piece of advice for him, but it didn't work out for me. One of the other things I'll just tell you that I learned from my dad was I don't know how to hold a flashlight. At least at that time in my life, I thought holding a flashlight was an art form. Maybe that's the reason that I wasn't so good at it because I treated it as an art form. Boy, you will find out really quickly if you're supposed to be holding a flashlight for somebody as a juvenile that you do not know how to hold a flashlight. I do know how to hold a flashlight nowadays, I'll just tell you. And it is one of the things I'm trying to teach my son is how to hold a flashlight. Apparently, he got the gene of not knowing how to hold a flashlight properly from me. Um, so anyhow, I digress just a little bit on that. Here's the piece of advice I got from my dad. We were out on a country road. I had to go to the bathroom, got out of the truck, and he said, you know what? Always pee on the fence. And I think it was brought to my attention that we pee on the fence to cover our tracks. We don't want people tracking us. Now, listen, I was a juvenile. I wasn't quite in the right frame of mind. I was very, very um, uh, foolish back in those days, and maybe even so nowadays. I'm, I'm really a functioning Neanderthal for the most part. I'm a knuckle-dragging idiot most days. I'm just thankful God has grace on me. Um, but pee on the fence is what I was told, so I took it to heart, and I took aim. And just let me tell you, now, it would have been nice for my little tiny juvenile brain to recognize, hey, this fence, uh, while it does have wooden posts, it has plastic things on the fence that the wire is tied around. And also along the fence line, there's li these little tags. I couldn't read what they said, but they looked like they were given a hazard sign or something like that. Now, if I was processing that in my little tiny juvenile brain, I may not have peed on this particular fence. But now, I don't know if people were tracking us, actually, but they could have found us easily from the scream that came right after I peed on, you know, electrons. Do not pee on the fence. I know, I know we don't do it nowadays. And in fact, I'm pretty good at identifying electric fences. In fact, to this day, I can point out electric fences everywhere that I go. I can find electric fences. It may actually be a superpower that was born on that day because I get a little spidey sense, tingling sensation in my nether regions whenever I'm around an electric fence. I don't know why that is. It may be a superpower that I have to look into. Uh, I'd like to think this is also where my superpowers of observation and situational awareness were born, like paying attention to what we're doing so we don't pee on electric fences. Uh, this also reminds me of another piece of advice dealing with electricity. The electricity is never off until you verify it is off. Now, if you get a hold of my sister or my parents, you can ask them. I shocked the heck out of my nipple one time on a horse fence because someone told me the fence was off. Now, just to let you know, your nipple will stay hard for about three hours after that happens. Let's go into something else, though. Last piece of best advice or worst advice I've ever gotten uh, is this. And I hear this constantly. Um, and I'll give you a little clarity about this here in a second. The advice I get from people, the worst advice I get from people is no one needs that much training. I hear this constantly in my space, in my job title right now. I was in a leadership course last week. And I tell you, I actually teach a leadership course for a major college institution here in Texas and for a major law enforcement management institute here in Texas. I've taught leadership in many times, in many roles, in many different uniforms. I know leadership. I've been involved with leadership for a long time in my career. I have a master peace officer license here in Texas. I only have to get a certain number of hours and it can be in anything that I want of training every cycle. And that's a two year cycle. I'm the chief of my police department. So why do I keep going to training when I really don't have to? Because I'll tell you this, this piece of advice right here will save your life. No one ever got into a conflict or a fight and thought to themselves, I have too much training for this. I'm going to say this to you one more time. 
No one ever got into a conflict or a fight of any sort, whether verbal or physical or a gunfight, and thought, I have too much training for this. And that is true. With when we get into these confrontations like this, our mind can quickly unravel, and we need training. We need to train this up here so we can react when we need to. No one was ever in the middle of a crisis and thought, I'm way overtrained for this. No one was ever faced with adversity of any sort and thought, I wish I didn't have this much knowledge. This is why I am in a, in a perpetual state of learning and understanding. Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. I am constantly learning. Yeah, too much ammo. I got you out there, Oscar. I've been in a I've 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 heard this the same way. Why do you carry that much ammo? Or nobody needs that much ammo. Listen, I'll tell you, every firefight I've ever been in, I needed exactly the amount of ammo that I had with me. That is critical. For me, I've always been in a training cycle, learning more, testing myself, learning new tactics, techniques, and principles, not only so I can have them for myself and my skill sets and I can put them up here, but also so I can give them all to you. I have the practical application knowledge from being in the different uh, roles and jobs that I've been in. I've had real world experience to test these and understand what works and what doesn't work, but I am constantly in a cycle of learning. I'll never stop learning. And the old adage, like I said, prevails that leaders are readers. People are always giving you bad advice, right? People are, well, they're always giving you advice, at least. We don't know if it's bad or not. So how do you tell if it is bad advice? What should you do? Even when you don't ask if it's bad advice. Well, how do you tell if the advice is even worth considering when people are giving you advice? Remember, advice is free, and it is sometimes always worth what you paid for. You could do your own research on the advice. Obviously, that's that's one good way to do it is trust but verify that piece of advice you've been given. Uh, but that sometimes defeats the purpose of the advice because it's usually quickly given to you uh, in a time of need. Most people want advice uh, because they don't know what to do and they're looking for a quick answer. So that's why we ask for advice in any different situation. So when we are given a piece of advice, some of the things we can ask ourselves here are, number one, who is the person that is giving us the advice? Do we know them? Do we trust them? Have they given us good advice in the past or have they given us bad advice? Have they steered us right or steered us wrong in the past? Number two, what are they advising? excuse me, what are they advising you about? Is it something they know? Is it uh, something they work within or something they've dealt with in their life? And they're advising you about that from a personal, real experience. Now, I see some of these Facebook pages out there where people just drop in advice and drop in advice and drop in advice. You know what? That is a lot of thoughts. These are thoughts. If you don't have practical, real world experience to test your theories, test the things that you've been taught, sometimes that is just thoughts that people are giving you. Without the real testing of that, without the real sharpening of oneself, those are just thoughts that people are giving you. So always check the person giving it to you and what are they advising you about. Does it seem like they're following their own advice? If they're giving you advice about something they're dealing with, does it seem like they're following the advice as well? And has their advice made their own lives better? Has their advice made their own lives better? Have they flourished because of the advice that they're also giving you? Has their life improved because of the advice they, they've used for themselves that they're also giving to you? Answer, answering questions in your head like this to yourself will always weed out the good advice from the bad advice. And I follow two general rules when I'm thinking about advice somebody has given me. These two rules have saved me from acting on bad advice. Now, I wish I had these rules back when my dad told me to pee on the electric fence, but I didn't. Yeah, I had these rules, and we can test that against that right now. Follow these two rules right here. Rule number one, if someone gives you advice on something they are not doing themselves, it's probably bad advice. I'll say that one more time. If someone gives you advice on something they are not doing themselves, it's probably bad advice. 
Number two for me, if someone gives you advice on something and that advice has not improved their own lives, it's probably bad advice. If it's something they would, they've given to you, but they haven't put it into place in their own life and it's not tested in their own life, then maybe it's bad advice. Like I said, number one, if they give you advice on something they're not doing themselves, it's probably bad advice. Rule number two, someone gives you advice on something uh, they not improve their own lives, it's probably bad advice. So let's let's test this right quick. So if, if I'm a, a clean, natural eater and I try to eat as healthy as possible and I happen to have a salad for lunch and someone comes towards me and they've got fried food in their hand, they're a little bit overweight, and they tell me that salads every day are bad for you. Number one, let's look at the rules. Number one, someone gives you advice on something they're not doing themselves, it's probably bad advice. So that checks out. Uh, number two, someone gives you advice on something uh, and that advice has not improved their own lives. That checks out as well. So again, these two rules will save you and help you if you're getting advice and you want to know or want to test if it is the right advice for you. That's really it. These two rules will enable you to tell bad advice from about a mile away. So that's what I had for you tonight, Warriors. A fun little topic that was brought to me uh, by our people behind the scenes. And I love to get into it. Uh, Oscar, I see you got to go back on duty. Good topic. Thank you, Oscar, for joining us tonight. Um, so if you are new here, I want to make sure that you subscribe, subscribe uh, to everything that we do, especially the Facebook page. And you also want to go over to our social media on YouTube. YouTube, if you go down to the subscribe button and hit that little bell, that will give you a notification anytime we post something new uh, that is new content from us here at Protectors Toolkit. Don't forget to also check out our podcast. We just put the new one out today, Word and a Weapon podcast on all platforms, on all platforms where you're listening to your podcast, Word and a Weapon. And this one was on something that was near and dear to my heart, was the Good Samaritan. I think you're going to be blessed by that. And if you are blessed by it, do the one thing that I always ask you to do, share that with somebody else. Bless somebody else in your day. It's real easy to do, and you can feel better about it and feel better about yourself. Now, I do want you to go over to the protectorstoolkit.com, protectorstoolkit.com, and sign up for the membership. You can get into the free membership if you just want to take uh, and dip your toes in just a little bit, but I know you warriors aren't those type of people. You want to jump in with both feet and get done-for-you training to bring to your church you want to have training that's done for you. So when you are there on Sunday and you're trying to figure out what training we should be doing, it's already done for you. The lesson plans are done for you. The PowerPoint's are already done for you. The leader guide is already done for you. You also get all the things that we develop for building, developing, and leading a church safety and security ministry. Listen, folks, over at protectorstoolkit.com, we give you the one thing that you can't really buy, and that's time. Time to be the leader that you want to be in the church safety and security space. Time to develop the ministry that you want to develop in church safety and security time for you to be who you want to be and who and what your team wants to be to protect the flock at your church i'll tell you what i'll give you a special code right now a special discount code if you want to get into the membership uh, site right now as a member see everything that we got in there use promo code warrior wednesday all one word warrior wednesday right now Get your first month at only $10. I think you're going to be blessed by that. You're going to love everything that we have in there. And again, it's time back in your day so you don't have to figure out and reinvent the wheel on how to do church safety and security. We've done it for you. Right now, we're booking for 2021. We've got quarter one done. We're almost ready to uh, fill it up with quarter two. I want you to get your live in-person training booked now because guess what, folks? The world is opening back up. As we get more and more vaccines out there, the world is opening back up, and live in-person training is going to be the go-to for churches around this nation. They're coming to Protectors Toolkit. They're getting on our calendar. I want you to be able to select the days and times that you want 
for all the training that you want, whether you want the, the one day church essentials program to establish and build and develop and lead your church safety and security program, or you want the two day uh, warrior pistol course to make sure that you are insurable as an armed protector in your church. You want a virtual risk assessment. You want an actual risk assessment, whatever it is you want. You want de-escalation training. Protectors Toolkit, now is the time to book your 2021 training. We're traveling all over the nation to churches, and we want to be in your location in the days and the times that you want us to be there. So hit us up at admin at protectorstoolkit.com, admin at protectorstoolkit.com. Guess what, folks? If you book a course with us, you're going to qualify immediately to get a $500 grant back to your church. Yes, a $500 grant back to your church just for being a host of one of the Protectors Toolkit trainings. So who doesn't want $500? If you don't want it, I'll take it. I'll put it right back uh, and I'll give it to another church that does want it. Yes, you want $500 for your church safety and security ministry. You're going to qualify immediately for a grant when you agree to host the training, have the training at your church, and you meet the requirements for that. Also, don't forget, go to our Facebook page and look for the uh, Department of uh, uh, Homeland Security announcement that I just put out there. We're watching that a grant, uh, the Department of Homeland Security grant is going to drop pretty soon. And within that grant grant is a requirement that you have a risk assessment to submit with your grant proposal. You're going to need a current risk assessment to submit with your grant proposal. Guess what we've done here at Protectors Toolkit for you? We've developed a virtual risk assessment that we're going to do between you and your church. And we're going to give you a written report that you submit with your proposal to get that grant money for the Department of Homeland Security in their nonprofit security grant program. Look at that on our Facebook page there. And as always, Warriors, what I always say is go find us, subscribe, like all of our social media, share us far and wide, do that one thing that we're told to do in Proverbs, which is sharpen one another. And being a church safety and security warrior like you are, it is part of the great commission that we continue to grow this ministry right here in church safety and security. And Warriors, like I always say, thanks for watching and keep them safe.